sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Welcome to our number two in the morning after on this Thursday right here on SportsGrid. Sirius XM, channel 159, the home for SportsGrid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Spiz Grizz Network, I am Ben Stevens. In our number two, we are just two weeks away from the 2022 NFL Draft in Las Vegas. Starting two weeks from this very night, the first round gets underway with the Jacksonville Jaguars on the clock picking number one overall. And although the odds would say the Jags are going one way, it's smokescreen season in the NFL, and maybe they're thinking of another edge rusher. We'll look at those odds and how they are moving for the 2022 NFL Draft to find you some plus money value on the FanDuel Sportsbook in our next segment. But we start with some NFL headlines from yesterday, and Derek Carr cashed in. Derek Carr got paid yesterday a three-year extension for the Las Vegas Raiders worth north of $121 million. Add in a no-trade clause as well. And Derek Carr is locked up as the quarterback of the Las Vegas Raiders through the 2025 NFL season. Under the final year of his contract this year and then a three-year $121.5 million deal. Big money for Derek Carr to remain in the desert. And it's been a big offseason for this Raiders organization. A new head coach in Josh McDaniels. They have both Derek Carr and his college teammate in Devontae Adams, now a part of that offense. And defensively, re-signing Max Crosby and bringing in Chandler Jones, the Raiders a playoff team. You have to feel good about their outlook for 2022, right? Well, based on the odds... And given how competitive the AFC and specifically the AFC West division is going to be, don't look too great for the Las Vegas Raiders entering the NFL season in 2022. Take a look at some of those prices right there. The Raiders team win total now in a 17 game season is only eight. Their team win total last year was six and a half. They went well over finishing 10 and seven straight up and earning a wild card berth into the AFC playoffs. Now that team win total is just eight live right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook. For the Raiders to make the playoffs for a second straight year, plus 205. And those divisional odds, as you see there, plus 700. The longest price in the AFC West division. Is that a statement on Las Vegas? Is that an indication the Raiders are not going to live up to the hype this year or not going to be a playoff team once again? I don't think so. I think the Raiders have a good shot. I think it's an indication of how tough how grueling, how much of a gauntlet the AFC West division is going to be this year and then the AFC in general. Because look at the odds right now for the AFC championship this upcoming season in the National Football League. The Buffalo Bills are the favorites at plus 350 right now on the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the AFC title this upcoming year. A dollar and a half ahead of the Kansas City Chiefs who have the second best price at plus 500. Then notice the Chargers and the Broncos tied for the third best odds at plus 850. Three of the four best teams right now based on the odds in the AFC all hailing from the same division, that being the AFC West, where the Raiders have the longest odds to win that division at plus 
700. We could take it even a step further because it gets even that much more complicated. And we'll do that in just a moment to describe how competitive the AFC is going to be. But first, we welcome in our Sports Grid Radio audience here, the second hour of the morning after on this Thursday. Sirius XM Channel 159, all of our terrestrial radio affiliates as well. I am Ben Stevens. Back to the AFC Championship odds because after the contract extension of Derek Carr yesterday, or for Derek Carr and the Las Vegas Raiders, three years, $121.5 million. We didn't really see any odds move on the Las Vegas Raiders. And in fact, their odds don't paint exactly the rosiest picture for 2022. But again, it's not the fault of the Raiders. It just goes to show what the AFC is going to look like this upcoming year. Plus 700 for the Raiders to win their own division. The longest odds, fourth out of four the Chiefs are the favorites at plus 155 the Chargers are at plus 240 the Broncos 20 cents behind that at plus 260 over four dollars ahead of where the Raiders are at plus 700 and then back to the AFC championship odds because three of the four best odds right now in that market all hail from the AFC West the favorites are the Buffalo Bills from the AFC East then you go to the next three odds, the Cleveland Browns at 10 to 1, the Bengals and the Ravens at 11 to 1, all of those teams from the AFC North. Six of the seven best odds come from two of the four divisions in the AFC. Based on how the playoff format works, there is not a chance all six of those teams can make the postseason. Four divisional winners, three wild card spots. So when you see the Raiders at plus 205 to make the playoffs or with a team win total of eight, it's not because the Raiders are going to be bad. It's because how is that overall record going to stack up when you are playing the most difficult teams six times in your own division and then further in your own conference? It is going to be, honestly, these teams beating up on one another to the point where I'm not sure we're going to have wild card teams out of these divisions to the extent we expect based on the odds. Speaking of the Browns, quickly, I'm sure you saw a lot of the conversation with Baker Mayfield on the YNA podcast or whatever it is with some rapper and whatnot, Mike something or whether. Um, anyway, Baker Mayfield, though, yesterday saying he felt disrespected with how things played out with the Cleveland Browns. He also mentioned he's not exactly sure where his next destination is. He said if you asked him a week ago, probably Indianapolis. Maybe now, Seattle. We look at the NFL draft up next here on the morning app. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Two weeks from tonight in Las Vegas, the opening round. 2022 NFL draft the Jacksonville Jaguars are on the clock and this is a Thursday on the morning after on sports grid and Sirius XM channel 159 the home for sports grid radio on Sirius XM all across the Spiz Grizz network and I am Ben Stevens I would never lie to you I would never provide smoke screens but in the final two weeks as we lead into the NFL draft it is smoke screen season you are going to see reports all over the place of this franchise talking to this player looking at this move for the nfl draft believe some but heed a little bit of what you might see because we're not entirely sure what is real what is false what is being put out there to lead other nfl organizations 
astray. So I say all of that to preface the reports yesterday that Trent Baalke, the general manager of the Jacksonville Jaguars, has grown increasingly interested in Trayvon Walker, the edge rusher out of Georgia, in potentially using that number one overall pick on Trayvon Walker and not Aiden Hutchinson. Trent Baalke is the GM in Jacksonville. Not a lot of Jags fans are very big fans of Trent Baalke. Before his stop in Duval County, it was out in the Bay Area, the GM of the San Francisco 49ers, when Trent Baalke drafted Alden Smith. And apparently, in Trent Baalke's eyes, according to these reports, he thinks that Trayvon Walker has the talent of Alden Smith, maybe even better, and was so pleased with that draft selection that maybe, at number one overall, Trayvon Walker is going to be putting on a Jags hat before he gives a big old hug to Roger Goodell in Las Vegas two weeks from tonight. But according to the odds, that would not seem to be the case because Aiden Hutchinson remains the heavy odds-on minus money favorite to go number one overall at minus 250. Here's where we try to find some value for you as we have two weeks leading in to the NFL draft because if the reports are true and if the market starts to move on Trayvon Walker, let the odds tell you something because right now at plus 350, that's tons of plus money value. And the Jags are picking number one overall for the second straight year. Last year, they took Trevor Lawrence, the quarterback out of Clemson. After a very shaky year, that's what happens when you hire Urban Meyer, Trevor Lawrence is looking for much greener pastures in 2022. They retooled a lot of the offense. They added a lot of skill positions. Christian Kirk got paid a boatload of money. They franchised Tad Cam Robinson to protect Trevor Lawrence's blind side. So now the focus is on the defense. That's why you see Aiden Hutchinson at minus 250 and Trayvon Walker at plus 350. Both edge rushers in this NFL draft. Kayvon Thibodeau has the fifth shortest odds at 25 to 1. Kayvon Thibodeau also an edge rusher out of Oregon. But the conversation here based on these odds is clearly between Aiden Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker. So as we look at all the edge rushers right now and their draft positional odds on the FanDuel Sportsbook, maybe those... Tell us a little bit more about what Jacksonville is looking to do at number one. Aiden Hutchinson's over-under is one and a half with the under-juiced at minus 250. If that looks familiar, because that's the odds for Aiden Hutchinson to go number one overall to Jacksonville. Now, Trayvon Walker is at three and a half, and the under has even more juice at minus 270. There's an expectation that if it's not number one, maybe it's number two for Trayvon Walker, and we'll have that discussion in just a couple of moments. But that goes to show what the betting markets feel and maybe NFL organizations about Trayvon Walker to have a draft position of three and a half and an underjuiced at minus 270. Trayvon Walker has skyrocketed up draft boards since the combine. A very talented edge rusher from Georgia. That Georgia defense last year, the most dominant scoring defense these two eyes have ever seen. Truly, that is how good they were. My favorite bet of the college football season last year was Georgia opponent team total unders, and you would hit a good majority of the time. In fact, I think they hit nine of the 12 regular season games, one of them a backdoor cover against Kentucky. That is how good Georgia's defense was a season ago and how good Trayvon Walker was a part of that defense. Also take a look at Kayvon Thibodeau because at this time last year, or at least entering the college football season last year, Kayvon Thibodeau was going to be the number one pick. He was substantially the front runner in a lot of people's minds to go number one overall. Then a season 
where he dealt with some injuries, maybe not the best performances at time, and then some conversation about Kayvon Thibodeau focusing on his own personal brand as opposed to winning national championships. I don't know if I pay too much stock into that, but Kayvon Thibodeau now at five and a half, and the over has the juice. This is all part of defense, right? Three edge rushers, all with draft positions within the top six, with Kayvon Thibodeau having the highest at five and a half. Can we expect a lot of defense in that opening round of the 2022 NFL draft next week? I think so, but I think a lot of it comes within the top 10, and then we might see some offensive players start to go off the board following that. The quarterbacks and Malik Willis and Kenny Pickett, some wide receivers and Drake London and Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave out of Ohio State, Traylon Burks out of Arkansas, Jamison Williams out of Alabama, Evan Neal, the offensive tackle out of Alabama, Ike Aquano, the offensive tackle out of NC State, Charles Cross, the offensive tackle out of Mississippi State. What, what I'm saying here is we can expect a lot of defense off the board in the top 10, in my opinion, and then offense might win the day from picks 12 to 32. And look at how the odds stack up. Very cheeky, FanDuel. We're on to you. Offense, the over-under is 16 and a half, and the under is juice. Defense is 15 and a half, and the over has the same juice at minus 122. What would that tell you? 16 offensive players, 16 defensive players, based on the odds and where the juice lies out of the 32 first-round picks that we will have. We're on to you. I would actually lean the under on defense and probably find a little bit better of odds based on where offense could come in stronger portions later on in that first round. But again, top 10, I think we see a lot of defensive players. Aiden Hutchinson, Trayvon Walker, Kayvon Thibodeau. You could look at guys like Sauce Gardner, the cornerback out of Cincinnati, other defensive players up there as well. Devin Lloyd, the linebacker out of Utah, just to name a few so we showed you the number one overall pick and the odds there that Aiden Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker were the two front runners Aiden Hutchinson in minus money at minus 250 Trayvon Walker at plus 350 but apparently skyrocketing up the Jacksonville Jaguars draft board according to reports and according to GM Trent Baalke also pay attention to the odds to go number two overall because the same two edge rushers and Aiden Hutchinson out of Michigan and Trayvon Walker out of Georgia are also the two favorites to go number two overall to the Detroit Lions. Plus 200 for Aiden Hutchinson, plus 250 for Trayvon Walker. And we had this discussion earlier on this week, the QB conversation in what might happen at number two overall. Are the Detroit Lions doing their due diligence at the prospect of taking Malik Willis at plus 500? I have placed a small wager on Malik Willis with those odds at five to one to go number two overall to Detroit because I think that's where this is building. I will say this. If Trayvon Walker goes number one overall and some of these smokescreen reports actually have credence to them, if Trayvon Walker goes one to the Jags, Malik Willis will not go two. Why? Because Aiden Hutchinson will go number two overall to the Detroit Lions with all the ties to the Motor City and playing his college football in Ann Arbor for the maize and blue of the Michigan Wolverines, Aiden Hutchinson will cash that plus 200 ticket. So in these next two weeks, as we get closer to the 2022 NFL Draft, the first round just two weeks from tonight out in the desert in Las Vegas, if the market starts to move on Trayvon Walker at number one, plus 350 becomes plus 275, plus 225, two bills, notice that because I think there will certainly be some credence 
to the idea that Aiden Hutchinson is not as strong of a minus money odds on favorite as we believe at this current point. So go through the smoke screens, but sometimes where there's smoke, there is fire. Pay attention to those odds on Aiden Hutchinson and Trayvon Walker. Two weeks out now from the 2022 NFL draft. It's the NBA postseason, though. We got to get ready for how things stack up out west. We do that next here on the morning after on Sports Grid. Stay with us. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. A big picture view of the Western Conference playoffs in the NBA right here, right now on the morning after on Sports Grid. Sirius XM Channel 159, the home for Sports Grid Radio on Sirius XM. All across the Sports Grid Network, I am Ben Stevens. Hopefully in just a couple of moments, Evan Sideri, a national NBA reporter for Basketball News, will join us here on the morning after for even more of a thorough breakdown of what the Western Conference playoff picture looks like. But I will start off with how things stand in the Western Conference because we have one final play in tournament game tomorrow night in Los Angeles that will decide the number eight seed. And then it is set tomorrow night at the Crypto.com Arena in Los Angeles. The Clippers, a four-point home favorite against the New Orleans Pelicans. This line is starting to move. In fact, it has already moved. Overnight hours. Line opened up on FanDuel. The Clippers, a five-point home favorite in los angeles now just four just four and there was not a lot of optimism for either new orleans or san antonio whoever won that game last night in nola to have any kind of relative success against the clippers to get in to the playoffs but now the line is working in favor of new orleans still a four-point underdog but working in their favor now at four on the FanDuel sportsbook for that spread and the total is ticking down as well to 16 and a half Earlier this morning, now 216. All four playing tournament games to this point have hit the under. And when you look at it for New Orleans, under in nine of their last 13. The Clippers under in three of their last four. This total of 216, the lowest total for the Pels since the end of January. And we have seen the odds move from a big picture conference perspective as well. And we'll get to those in just a couple of moments. But again, as we look at the trend perspective for tomorrow night's game in Los Angeles between the Clippers and the Pelicans, LA at home this year when booked as a favorite, 14 and 15 against the number. New Orleans when booked as a road underdog, 16 and 17 against the number. No covers though for the Pels in their last three games when booked as a dog. Now joining us on the morning after on this Thursday, it is Evan Sideri, a national NBA reporter for basketballnews.com, helping us take a look at the Western Conference postseason picture as we get ready to go in the playoffs following the play-in tournament game tomorrow night in L.A. Evan, thank you for joining us here on a Thursday on TMA. Absolutely, Ben. Always appreciate the time. So we'll start with the Western Conference playoff picture, big picture. The winner of tomorrow night's game between the Clippers and the Pelicans will be the number eight seed in the Western Conference postseason. Of course, they get the Phoenix Suns, the number one seed in the West, the reigning Western Conference champs, the best team in the NBA all year long. But let's begin with the play-in tournament game 
tomorrow night. Evan, we were just talking about how the line has already moved in favor of New Orleans. The Clippers still a four-point home favorite. What's your approach to this matchup tomorrow night in Los Angeles? I actually like New Orleans. I think the line movement is correct on this one. I think New Orleans has the firepower to stay in this one with C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram. Obviously, Paul George having him back is a huge equalizer for the Clippers, but I actually like the way New Orleans has played the last couple months since the All-Star break. Willie Green has this group locked in. Brandon Ingram, when he's on the court with C.J. McCollum, this Pelicans offense is very fun to watch as well. And their defense is actually very underrated too. So I actually like the, the Pelicans in the spot to cover the spread. I think we see a one-possession game in this one. So I think we're going to see a very close game throughout. So I actually like the plus money here for New Orleans as far as the spread goes. If C.J. McCollum and Brandon Ingram perform even close to the level they did last night against San Antonio, this game is going to be close as Evan just laid out right there. So again, the winner earns the number eight seed in the Western Conference. And I say earns, but then you have the number one overall seed in the Phoenix Suns. Evan, do you give either the Clippers or the Pelicans much of a shot in a seven-game opening round series against Phoenix? Unfortunately, no. I would say for really any team, to be quite honest, this is how dominant this Phoenix Suns team is this year. When they lock in, they're completely unstoppable on both ends of the court. And unfortunately, that's the same thing I think would happen here for either the Clippers or the Pelicans. I think the most the series would go would be five games in either scenario. Obviously, the Clippers pushed the Suns a little bit last year, but this Suns team is just a lot different this year, folks. I just think that's the way they're locked in. I just think it's hard for any team to beat this team let alone four, four times in a series, maybe even six, like two times to be quite honest. Like this team is just so yeah. good that I have a hard time seeing how any team in, in the NBA this year is going to be able to beat this team at least two or three times in a series. Milwaukee is a minus 1100 favorite in their opening round series on that straight up series price against the Chicago Bulls. I'm not sure it's going to be so substantial in terms of price for Phoenix, but it could get pretty close for the Suns to be favored in that opening round series either against L.A. or New Orleans. And as we look at the Western Conference odds, Evan, as it has been for the last couple of weeks when you've been on the show, the Suns a short favorite relative to the West, the rest of the West at plus 120. What is your level of optimism that Phoenix can get back to the Western Conference Finals and back into an NBA championship series as well? I, at this point, I'm very confident. Just looking at the way the West is shaking out right now, I would have said the Warriors might give the Suns a fair shake around December or January. But it's the way they've been playing due to injury, just due to inconsistent play the last couple of months. I think it's fair to say that why the odds are so short in favor of Phoenix. I think getting plus money still on Phoenix is a great value play to have right now, to be quite honest, because yeah. the way the Suns have played, you just see the way they're playing on both sides of the court. You have Devin Booker, you have 13 players in the rotation who can play in the playoffs at some point. No other team can bring nine or ten players in their rotation, to be quite honest. So I see the depth, the star power for the Suns. Monty Williams is still a very underrated head coach, in my opinion. The tactical advantages that Suns have across the board in the West right now is substantial, in my opinion. So I would easily say the Suns still. And take the money while you can at plus money. I still think it's a great value. I think that's a great point, too, Evan, that you bring up there. That although they're a short favorite at plus 120, it's still a plus money price. If the Suns roll through the Pelicans or the Clippers, that's going to become minus money very, very quickly as we go further on in the Western Conference postseason. Evan Saideri, a national NBA reporter for BasketballNews.com, joining us here on a Thursday on the morning after. So the Golden State Warriors have the second best price at plus 390. They open up in the playoffs as the three seed against the six seed in the Denver Nuggets and are a minus 250 favorite on that series price, Evan. First, let's start with Steph Curry, 
who missed the final 12 games of this NBA regular season. What have you heard about the health status of the chef entering the playoffs now for Golden State? It's a little concerning to be quite honest, just the way that the Warriors have played without Stephen Curry. But I would be stunned if Curry does not play in this series. And just seeing how desperately this Warriors team needs him back in the lineup, I put it at a very good chance to see Stephen Curry play in Game One. And I just think having him out there, even if, even if it's in like a decoy kind of role, will really help this offense out for a little bit in the beginning of the series because I think it's a scary proposition for the Warriors. It's the way they've been playing the last couple months to play against Nikola Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. Sure, the Nuggets don't have the depth. They don't have Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. due to injury, but we've seen Nikola Jokic carry this Nuggets team to victories when they shouldn't be in that position and just with how good Jokic can be. So this is a scary series for Golden State. I think, quite honestly, if they want to pull off this win against the Nuggets, even though they don't have the depth, they have Nikola Jokic, you need Stephen Curry out there. You definitely need Curry out there in this series from the very beginning. The Dubs won their final five games of the NBA regular season. And as you see there on that board, Evan, plus 200 is the price for this series to go the distance in seven games. It's the shortest in terms of the series total games market. How far do you see this series between Denver and Golden State going? I think just based off how good Nikola Jokic is, I think it's I think it's going to go at least six games. I think that's the mm -hmm. point on that. Just the way that Nikola Jokic can lead this Nuggets team. I know the Nuggets are not a team that can go deep. They have seven or eight players in the rotation. They don't have a lot of guys that can give you a lot of versatility. But Nikola Jokic is such a special player that he can carry a team that's not anywhere in the business of being in competition with a team they're playing against two victories on multiple occasions. So I think we see the, the Nuggets kind of surprise a little bit early in the series. I could see them being tied 1-1 heading back to Denver, but ultimately I think the Warriors' depth will be too much in this one. I think Golden State eventually wins in six games. Denver won three of the four games in the regular season series against the Warriors. For five games, it's plus 220. For six games, it's plus 210, and then seven games, plus 200. A 20-cent difference should show it's going to be a competitive series between the Warriors and the Nuggets. Elsewhere in the West, the Utah Jazz are the five-seed against the Dallas Mavericks, that number four seed. But the Jazz are actually favored in that series and favored in game number one on the road in Dallas. That's because Luka Doncic confirmed a calf strain revealed in that MRI following the regular season finale against the Mavericks. So, Evan, if the Mavericks do not have Luka Doncic, what does their outlook look like for the series against the Jazz? Definitely looks a lot different for sure. Luka is the straw that stirs the drink there in Dallas. And... Having him not out there for the early part of this series, especially with the series being in Dallas in the very beginning, is a huge swing for Dallas if he's not fully healthy, if he's not available for those games, because Utah can just quite easily take back home court advantage if they win one of these first two games. And if Luke is not out there, it's definitely going to swing back in favor of Utah here. So if Luke is not 100%, or if he's out for the first two games in Dallas, or at least game one, I think Utah does win those games. And I could easily see Utah being in a position in this series now where they could win in five or six games because Luka Doncic is in a similar situation with Jokic where the Mavericks team isn't as great as they should be in the West, but uh, Luka Doncic is so good they can carry this yeah. Mavericks team to the, potentially the Western Conference Finals. But this cap straight changes everything, to be quite honest. I could easily see now the Jazz winning in five or six games instead of the Mavericks winning in five or six games, for example. Evan, I have a Dallas Mavericks 12-1 ticket to win the West. I was hoping they could just get to the finals against the Phoenix Suns in that conference. Looked so good about two weeks ago, but now not so good. And I was hoping to fade the Utah Jazz at all points throughout this postseason. It will be more difficult to do that if Dallas is without.
Luka Doncic. Evan Sideri, a national NBA reporter for basketballnews.com, breaking it down with the Western Conference outlook for the playoffs. Evan, can't wait to talk to you more throughout the postseason. As always, appreciate the time, Ben. Of course. We go back to Major League Baseball, a Thursday slate with Craig Mish on the other side of the break here on the morning app. Stay with us. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. One week anniversary of this 2022 Major League Baseball season. We break down a Thursday slate here on the morning after on Sports Grid and Sirius XM Channel 159. I am Ben Stevens, now very pleased to be joined by Sports Grid's Major League Baseball insider, the host of Fantasy Sports Today, and add one more to the tally, the host of Newswire, a new program that has debuted this week at 2 p.m. Eastern time right here on the grid. It is Craig Mish. Joining us on a Thursday on the morning after Craig, a busy first week for you for this Major League Baseball season. How's it been going? It's going great. And yeah, great to have a new show here on the network, two o'clock every single day, going over a lot of different sports wagering topics from around the country, uh, legalization and definitely dynamics that are not covered anywhere else. So enjoying that for sure. And uh, in adjusting, you know, of course, to a new schedule, having two different shows on throughout the day is also interesting. And then today, uh, you know, is the home opener for the Miami Marlins. So as soon as the show is over at 3 o'clock Eastern, I'm headed down to uh, to Miami to, to watch the Marlins play the Phillies tonight. Love it. Love it. A busy man, but a busy time. Hopefully a very good time. One week ago was the opening day for Major League Baseball in the year 2022. In this week's span, Craig, who has made an early impression on you? Yeah, look, the offense for some teams has been struggling. For some others, it's gotten off to a good start. I think it's kind of been a mixed bag. I don't think that there's a clear indication as to where we're headed here in 2022 with the offenses. But, I mean, the team that really has impressed me to start through six games, even though their offense hasn't really clicked as much, has been Houston. Uh, you know, mm -hmm. it just it's really amazing to me, Ben, that that every year they can, like, lose a player or two from their World Series team and just insert these new players we saw that wonderful interview that was done the other night by uh, Jeremy Pena, where he hit the home run while his his parents were talking about him. They have this other kid, Jose yeah. Siri, who's off to a pretty good start for them as well. So with the pitching and hitting that Houston has, and, and I know that, look, no one at this point has gotten off to a perfect start, but they definitely have been impressive. And uh, and look, I mean, the Cubs, I mean, I don't, I don't know if their pitching is going to hold up. You know, certainly that's still to be determined. They've got a young kid on the mound today who had a really good start his first time out. And then they signed Suzuki, uh, you know, from yeah. from overseas. And he's gotten off to a great start, too. So perhaps a couple of surprises we could find this season with in the Windy City. We'll see. Say a Suzuki, three home runs in a two-game span early this week as well. Speaking of teams out of the National League Central, the Cardinals on the road today in Milwaukee against the Brewers. Milwaukee, one of those teams that has struggled offensively, much like they did last year. But at home today, a slight favorite, minus 146 on that money line against the Cards and Uncle Chuck in Adam Wainwright. So as you look at this game, Craig, and where both of these two teams stand, the favorites 
in the National League Central. What are you looking for in today's matchup? Yeah, most likely the the trend to continue with a low scoring game in uh, in the National League. Um, you know, I, I just the way that I see these two pitchers today. You know, certainly this could come down to the bullpens. Their bullpens are pretty solid, especially Milwaukee's. And I believe the total is eight, if I'm not mistaken, in this game today. So yeah. at least initially, you just got to kind of identify the starting pitchers that are going to go five innings and then the, what the bullpen looks after that. Two quality starters here on both sides today. So I, I would lean toward an under in this one. I don't expect a lot of runs to be scored. The danger zone right now is pretty obvious at this point, Ben. You know, it, it is Toronto. Any any game that they're involved in at this point looks like an over. Texas is pitching is really struggling out of the gate. So, you know, those are some overs too. But in general, if you look at the board today, in the, in this first, what would you say, week of the season, a lot of nines, a lot of eights, even some seven and a halves, that's definitely a change from last year. Certainly so. And as we look at those National League Central odds, the Cubs, as Craig mentioned, if the pitching can hold up they're 11 to 1 right now maybe providing a tad of value but it's the brewers at minus 170 and the cardinals at plus 220 so those are how the odds stack up in the national league central as we go over to the american league west it's shohei day for shohei otani on the bump for the angels and of course they are a road favorite in texas today shohei otani a pretty good opening day start a week ago on the mound for the Angels. Craig, what can we expect today? Yeah, I mean, I can only look to the Angels today of all of the potential options that you look at there. I I think the total definitely could go over or under. I I wouldn't know which way, um, you know, just based on how long they let Otani throw. That's been the big controversy, at least in the first week of the season, is that no pitcher is going more than like 75 or 80 pitches. Naturally, Otani can stay in the game to hit. I don't love the Rangers pitching. But look, Mike Trout thus far, He had a stomach issue. He missed one of the games against Miami, came back, played okay. It kind of seems like whatever got to him there, he hasn't fully recovered. And I think that the thing with with the Angels this season, I think they're going to be much better against right-handed pitching than left-handed pitching because this kid, Brandon Marsh, I think has a real chance to be a star. They have him right now down in the lineup, and I think that's going to change. But, uh, you know, kind of of a, a sluggish start, I would say, maybe for both teams. They both haven't looked great. But with Otani on the mound, it's just not fadeable to me. So that's the only way that I would look. Shohei Otani's strikeout prop today is six and a half. In his opening day start a week ago in Anaheim, he recorded seven strikeouts over that number. Dane Dunning on the other side for Texas. His K prop four and a half in the under has the juice. Craig mentioned it. So far in this Major League Baseball season, after a compacted and short spring training, only six pitchers as of yesterday had thrown 90 or more pitches and yesterday Craig the favorites to win the National League pennant the LA Dodgers had their starter in Clayton Kershaw throw seven perfect innings record 13 strikeouts only threw 80 pitches and then was pulled from his perfect game bid what did you make of the decision that Dave Roberts made yesterday in Minnesota yeah, I, I think that, you know, Kershaw did a nice job post-game of defending his manager and essentially saying, if you want to blame anyone for me not being in the game, blame the lockout because I didn't throw a pitch since January. And, and, and listen, that's the kind of guy Kershaw is. But I would say that there are exceptions to rules. And if a pitcher was throwing a perfect game and Ben, his, not, his name was not named Clayton Kershaw, I probably would say, hey, look, it is early in the season these guys have really not had a full spring, especially for a guy like Kershaw, who's coming off an injury last season. But I think in this situation in particular, 
uh, Kershaw, who's been in the league since 2007, 2008. I, I mean, I think he knows himself more than anyone else does. Uh, at the very least, I, I mean, and I understand why Roberts pulled him, because if you do continue with it, then the pressure is to have him pitch the ninth. But I think it's the opposite. I would have left him in for the next inning, let the chips fall, see where they go. Not impossible to have a nine pitch inning at that point, 10 pitch inning. He was absolutely on fire. It was probably the best start of anybody mm. in baseball this season. So I would have liked to see him specifically complete that because of who he is. He's a veteran. He knows who he is. He knows his strengths, his weaknesses. The same could be said for, I guess, uh, you know, Justin Verlander, Max Scherzer. I mean, you're telling me, Ben, that, that Max Scherzer pitching a perfect game through seven innings with that pitch is going to allow Buck Joe Walter to take him out? No way. Wouldn't, would no, never happen. Not a so uh, goodbye, Clayton, to defend his guy. But clearly, I would have liked to see him at least have the chance to do it. And it, listen, if things get out of hand in the eighth or whatever, then, yeah, pull him at that point. But, I mean, there was no indication that it was going that way. A Hall of Fame career for Clayton Kershaw already could have added more history to it. A no-hitter he has thrown in his career. He has been a National League MVP, multiple NL Cy Youngs, a World Series champion. It would have been something. I think from a historic perspective and for the fun of the game, from a fan yeah. perspective, to see Clayton Kershaw at least get the opportunity. We'll see. But what we know, seven innings pitched of perfect ball, 13 strikeouts, and the Dodgers win 7 nothing in Minnesota yesterday. They return home for the home opener inside Dodger Stadium today as a minus 275 favorite tonight against the Cincinnati Reds. And again, Craig, the National League pennant favorites right now at plus 230. Their odds advantage in this marketplace actually growing a little bit bigger based on some odds moving back for the Brewers and the Braves early on in this Major League Baseball season. Do you think there's value now after one week anywhere that there might not have been in the preseason? No, I don't think really much has, has changed for me at all. Of course, you know, the Mets have had a few injuries now that have hampered them. Uh, you know, Taiwan Walker went down and DeGrom went down yeah. and May went down. So, I mean, listen, I mean, I don't think that's, you know, that unexpected with the Mets. I think we talked about that last week. So, I, I, listen, at this point, I think the odds are pretty fair in the National League. I saw the Giants play for a few games. It looks like they're exactly who they were last year, which, you know, certainly is a team that wins three to two, four to two, just, you know, tries to get their starting pitcher through six and then throws the bullpen at you with Gabe Kapler. So, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's not a pass for me. It's just I don't see a ton of value here outside of picking L.A., and and I do think the winner of the NL East is going to have something to say in the in the NLCS. I just don't know who that's going to be. There's been a little bit of movement on the New York Mets, now plus 650, a little bit of movement on the San Diego Padres at plus 700, but not a ton. Again, it's only been one week of a very long yeah. Major League Baseball season. But the Braves, the reigning World Series champs, the second-best price tied for that number alongside Milwaukee at plus 600, and the Padres the fifth best odds at plus 700. Those two teams meet up today in San Diego. Charlie Morton on one side for Atlanta. Joe Musgrove, the starter for the home team in the Padres. And Craig, a very short number in this game. Minus 112, San Diego, a slight favorite. Minus 104 for Atlanta on that money line. Can we expect a good one out in San Diego today? Yeah, I would expect so. And, and again, a game like this, and my advice always when it comes down to the early part of the season is usually to take if you can get value on a dog and there really isn't any here on top of it. The other thing that seems to be happening in the first week is that managers are trying to get all their players on their roster to play before they sort of settle in their lineup. So, uh, you know, obviously this is a West Coast game. We have no idea who's going to be in this lineup tonight. So, uh, you know, I'd probably wait for that. 
but uh, looking at it one way or the one way or the uh, other at this point, again, another lean torn and under here. It just seems to be the teams with the good pitching are, are you know, and, and the hitting is really just not firing on all cylinders at this point. There are very few teams that have shown a lot offensively in baseball this season. And I think that, again, if you look across the board and you're looking for totals and you see the entire board with only 110 or only 19, Ben, or only 18, you kind of know yeah. that this is the direction that we're headed. So it's not about blind betting unders at this point, but I certainly think this is another one today. Craig, you cover the National League East. One of the biggest moves of the offseason was Freddie Freeman going to Los Angeles and the Braves trading for Matt Olson from Oakland as his replacement. A good start for Matt Olson in a Braves uniform, a 346 average with nine hits early on in this MLB campaign. Have you seen any of Matt Olson so far? And if so, what has impressed you most? Yeah, no, he looks he looks like he's he's comfortable. This is where he's from. It shouldn't shock anyone. And, and thus far, let, let's be honest, it's been Washington's pitching mostly. So I don't know that this is a clear indication as to the kind of pitching he's going to face all season long. Uh, right. You know, the Mets are formidable. Miami is formidable. But at this point, Ben, there's no doubt that he is stepping right into Freddie Freeman's shoes in terms of the offense. I think he'll be fine. I think it's a pretty good start for Atlanta. They could use a couple of more wins, a good matchup against the Padres today, and a good pitching duel hopefully on there as well. And heed Craig's advice. If you're looking across the board and you're seeing over-unders at 8, 9, it should show you maybe it's an under day on this Thursday across the Major League Baseball card. Craig Mish, our MLB insider on the grid, the host of Fantasy Sports Today that starts at 11 a.m. Eastern and, of course, Newswire at 2 p.m. Eastern as well. Craig, thank you so much for your time. Enjoy what I'm sure is going to be a very busy day. All right, Ben. Thanks for having me. Have a great one. Thank you very much. We go to Major League Baseball for our best bet to round out our two hours here on the morning after on this Thursday. I'm looking at a K-prop if it can pop up on the FanDuel Sportsbook. If not, I'll explain it and then maybe some plus money value on the board as well. That's on the other side of the break here on the morning after. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We round out our two hours together here on a Thursday on the morning after right here, right now, all across the grid. Thank you for listening on Sirius XM channel 159, watching all across the Spiz Grizz Network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. A lot of Major League Baseball on the card on this Thursday. A slight pause until we get back in the play-in tournament in the NBA postseason tomorrow out in the West in Los Angeles between the Clippers and the Pelicans and in the East between the Hawks and the Cavs. So the focus is on Major League Baseball. Before we say farewell, before we say goodbye, it is time for an MLB best bet. It is time for Bye Bye Bye. So two things to highlight here on the Major League Baseball card on this Thursday. We'll start with a game and then we'll go to a prop, a K-prop to be exact. The Blue Jays are booked as an underdog today with Kevin Gosman, one of the highest free agent acquisitions in terms of pitchers early on before the lockout for Toronto. He's on the bump. It's Luis Severino on the other side inside Yankee Stadium 
for the pinstripes. And again, the Blue Jays are booked as an underdog, plus 116 on that money line. This is just a personal stance here. The Blue Jays are the favorites to win the American League pennant. If the Blue Jays are ever going to be plus money, you might just have to sprinkle on that line because we've seen Toronto perform well inside Yankee Stadium so far this season, taking the first two of this set against the Yanks. Also pay attention to a K prop of Brendan Woodruff once or if it is posted on FanDuel against the St. Louis Cardinals. The Cardinals only striking out 22% of the time last year against right-handers. That was the sixth lowest K rate in all of Major League Baseball. This year for St. Louis, only 15% of the time against righties, the lowest K rate in all of MLB. Brandon Woodruff, who can be a strikeout pitcher, only two Ks in his opening start for Milwaukee this year. The morning after, each and every weekday, right here on SportsGrid. It starts at 9 a.m. Eastern time. I'm Ben Stevens. We'll talk tomorrow.